0: Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. And if you just read this is a test transmission. It opens a new and, I think, exciting chapter in the story of radio. This is going to be a service to provide a tremendous amount of information and satisfy a lot of different interests. I was always
1: itching to shake it during a program.
0: In the air, on the river and underground. We hope very much that uh, Derek can hear us. Can you hear us?
2: From Resonance 104.4 FM and social Broadcasts? this is the Transmitter Radio Hour from XMTR.FM, a new space dedicated to sonic storytelling, original sounds, new voices and archive treasures from radio broadcasts, podcasts and sound art across the globe. I'm Lucia Scadzocchio and I've been scanning the digital soundscape to cut through the noise. This next hour has been curated by Samuel Robinson, a musician, radio maker and sound artist who has worked for many years in the US but is now based in London. Sam has selected audio pieces that bring him joy and we will be in conversation throughout the show. So let's begin our transatlantic journey with a call across the pond and across two very different worlds. Speaking.
0: Hello.
1: Hello, this is Captain
0: Sturgeon. Yes, speaking.
1: Okay, uh, Darcy from The Tonight Show is calling. Can you hold a moment?
0: Right, certainly.
1: Okay, she's
0: going to come out and, and talk to you on the phone out here. Can you hold a moment? Yes, sir, ma'am.
1: Uh, hold on. Right. Hi, Captain Maurice.
0: Yes, speaking.
1: How, how do you do? My name is Darcy. Yes. And, and I'm calling you from Los Angeles, California. Yes. We have a television program called The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. I see. It's been on TV for 26 years.
0: Oh, it's quite a veteran.
1: Yes, quite a veteran. And, uh, as a matter of fact, Johnny Carson owns half of the David Letterman show.
0: He owns half of it? Yes, sir. Yes, I see.
1: Okay. I know Madeline from the Letterman show.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And when she told me to watch you in the event that we might be interested in you yes and and we are right and we we would love to invite you out to california to be on the show with johnny carson
0: oh well that'll be an interesting experience do you know i've i've only once been to america and that was to go to the to the uh, to the other show and indeed i've never been to california of which i've heard very delightful things
1: it's wonderful place uh we were hoping that maybe you could join us april 21st which is a friday
0: just a minute let me have a look at my diary.
1: Kathy, could you ask Marla to come in here?
0: Yes, that looks all right, as far as I can see.
1: What I thought we would do, Captain, is bring you in April 19th.
0: Just let me look at that one.
1: That's, that's, uh, Wednesday.
0: Yes, that is also all right. Mittwoch 19th, stimmt.
1: So that you have time to get accustomed to the time hours.
0: Oh, I think that's very wise, because I found myself rather confused in New York.
1: Right. And then we'll send you back out on Saturday the 22nd.
0: Just a minute. Let me look at that. Right. So I return to England on the 22nd? Correct. Yes. Right.
1: Okay. Now, we will pay for your plane fare, for your transportation to and from... Uh, the airport and to and from the studio, and we will uh, take care of your hotel accommodations. When it comes to food and incidentals, you'll have to take care of that.
0: Well, uh, I'm most awfully sorry. May I explain my situation, first of all, which is a rather peculiar one? Um, On the one hand, you see, uh, that which I do, and I have been the subject of countless broadcasts, I don't know if you're aware of this, on television and radio all over the world. For example, in Britain, on BBC One, on BBC Two, on ITV, and on Channel Four, on such things as the, oh, what is the man's name? I never watch television, so I never remember these things. The the famous man who died recently, Russell Harty.
1: Wait, can you stop a moment? What is your point?
0: Well, my point is that on the one hand, I'm extremely well known, and I've been seen all over the world, but on the other hand, curiously enough, anomalously enough, I am as poor as a church mouse. I have no money. And this depends partly upon my life's philosophy, and partly on the way I operate. I have never made a god of money, I have very little, I'm very much happier and very much less stressful than most people I know who have lots of money. Um, I operate a partly what could be described as an unofficial, unregistered charity. Because my heated clothing goes amongst other people too—paraplegics, sclerotics, arthritics, rheumatics, wheelchair cases, polio sufferers, accident victims, maimed, infirm, elderly people who otherwise could die of hypothermia because they can't afford to heat one room. A
1: Can you hang on a moment? What are you get, get to the bottom line? Are you telling me that you need more money while you're here?
0: I'm—I'm I'm saying this. Just as Letterman provided everything for me, from top to bottom, everything that I ate and drank, and hotel accommodation, and tips for the porters of the hotels, and tips for the car drivers, I need all that. And furthermore, I can only afford to go anywhere on anybody's television if I am paid on a commensurate basis for doing so. I cannot afford to do it for nothing. The heated clothing is a sort of charity, and it has to be supported by my other activities. And a major source of pocket money is television shows.
1: Right. Now, we might be able to work out a stipend, a daily stipend for you. I will make you an offer, and if you don't like it, so be it. You won't be coming.
0: Yes, absolutely. Fair enough. Now, let me just fill you in so that you're in a position to inform the people concerned of the background. Uh I
1: already know, Captain. Captain, I spoke to Madeline at length, so I will explain to them everything you have just previously said to me and what Madeline has said to me, and I'll call you back in a half an hour.
0: Yes, all right, good. You can tell them amongst other things. I'm a former pupil of Gordonston School, which is known in England as the Royal School. It is a German school by origin. It came from Schule Schloss Salem. It's the school that Prince Philip was at before the war, and his sons were at after.
1: Okay, now, why would that make a difference?
0: Oh, I wouldn't know. I would imagine it could make a very substantial difference. I was commissioned into royal signals on the same day, at the same time, and at the same place, as my old friend, Sir Geoffrey Howe, in November 1946. Again, things which may make no difference, and may make very substantial difference.
1: Okay, fine. I'll tell them all this, and I'll call you
0: back, Captain. Would you? I'm half English, half Hanoverian French. Forgive my inquisitiveness, but I'm interested by your fascinating name. Are you of German extraction?
1: My last name is German, but my, family emig- my father's side of the family emigrated from England. Uh, they emigrated from Germany to England over four centuries ago.
0: Achtung Liebegott! quite a long time ago.
1: Quite a long time
0: ago. Ah, Nevertheless, I would quote Schiller to you. Voll dem der Seinen Ahnen gerne gedenkt. Do you understand? No, sir. Well, Schiller said, A blessing unto those who honour their forebears. Ah, well, I honour mine. I'm sure you do, and that's a great thing. What part of Germany did they come from?
1: I don't recall, but, Captain, may I address your visit right now, and I'll
3: call
0: you back, and we can talk later. Yes, sir, by all means. Nice to hear from you and look forward to hearing again. And you'll be ringing sometime this evening, is that right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Good. Bye-bye.
4: That's a recording made by Captain Marie Seddon, who was an inventor, uh, invented heated clothing. So basically the clothing that you would wear, that you'd attach a plug to a mains with a long cord and it would basically heat you rather than heat the room. Seddon was asked to go on in quite a few TV shows because it's such an eccentric kind of interesting idea. And as a person, like his, his story is so fascinating that he was, he was asked to go on these different chat shows and he would record his calls. And that's a recording of a call that he had with producer, I guess, from the Johnny Carson show.
2: Do you have any idea why he was recording his calls did he know that he wanted to do something with them or he was archiving his whole journey?
4: No I don't know I think there's actually very little context to this and I had even less than I just gave you when I initially listened which I still found it like incredible joy to listen to but I do know the person that helped edit these because this was a collection of conversations that were put together on a record called The Seddon Tapes by William English who has a show on resonance as well and um, William was like a really good friend of Maurice Seddon yeah so he collected these tapes and then a friend kind of edited them and and they were put out on a record on paradigm discs I wanted to ask what did you think
2: well do you know when I first heard it I wondered if it was real you know it sounds like it's just too surreal to be real So that was my first thought. So I think it's a really nice opening, firstly, because it's very funny and just absurd, but also because it really gives us a, a kind of, you know, this is TV, but it gives us an insight into the media and how it works and the whole industry of it. And we've got on the one hand, this woman trying to get him on this tv show and all she wants is the kind of information and he just wants to have a bit more of a conversation and she's just not having any of it i just liked you know when she was saying well what is your point you know why are you telling me all of this and he just carries on kind of telling her his story
4: yeah i had to cut a bit from the middle as well just to shorten it down but there's more that uh, before she says you know get to the point Uh, i think that's a really astute observation as well that you make that you know on one hand Maurice said I lived alone, like maybe like didn't have a huge amount of social contact, which maybe he he was happy with. But I get the impression like also someone happy to be speaking to someone on the phone, whereas the producer, you know, busy, all business. Like I just want to seal this deal and move on. So,
2: yeah. So shall we keep going? It, it's interesting as we go through the different audio pieces that you've selected, there is a common thread and it does seem to really about conversation and how people present themselves as well I thought I might I might be wrong but that that's what I was getting and then the next two clips are a little look at how podcasting has evolved and some of the tropes that have come through so do you just want to tell me a little bit about why you chose this next one and what it is
4: Yeah, thinking about the nature of these two, I find that I'm not as big into kind of satire as like maybe I was when I was a bit younger and I I like kind of the sincerity in things and when it's not mocking something else but I think parody is a bit different. And I think um, the next two pieces and this first piece is kind of a bit of a parody and it's sharp as well. When there's kind of some really clever thoughts, I'm going to be able to look at the connections and the themes and the tropes in a certain medium or subset of that medium. So in the case of this piece, maybe self-help or the kind of health guru and then be able to present that in a way that I don't know. It's humorous, but it's not unkind, I think is really clever. And Emily does that really well in this piece, which from my understanding, she made, I think when she was doing a master's at Goldsmiths, but it's not made for broadcast. It's uh, maybe not even made for a project on that course, but just to make. And I actually really uh, relate to and love that idea of just making things because you've got this idea and you want to realize it and it brings you some joy and you can send it to your friends and and they take some pleasure from it and that's how I received this maybe a year or so ago it was just here's this thing I made and I, I think it's really brilliant and so sharp and this is her voice this is a, an English person from South London and it's perfect we should maybe listen to the piece before. yeah
2: so let's listen to this this is by Emily Naylor
5: Hey guys, it's me, Abigail, well, Abigail Courtney, Abigail Courtney Monroe, MDC, mystical dream consultant. Abigail Courtney Monroe, mystical dream consultant. (laughs) So I'm super stoked for this pod. That's podcast for all you pod newbies. Yeah, so like where to even begin? This has been a long time coming, that's for sure and certain. I've wanted to share my expertise My experiences, my knowledge, my wisdom, my passion, my carnality, my concupiscence. Yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. There are so many words, but you get the gist. I'm a sharer. I'm a giver, and I have a lot to share and give from my practice. Dream interpretation and consultation. I record everything I do, including all my sessions with clients, with their permission, of course. I think hearing my own voice is super helpful. It keeps me humble and goal-oriented. I'm going to delve into my consultancy archives and examine a variety of different dreams from a multitude of clients. I want to shed light on the hardships my clients face day in, day out, and how their issues manifest in their dreams. I find it incredibly comforting when I'm feeling down, you know, a little low, super depressed or whatever, to think about these people. Some of them have it real, real bad. If they auditioned for America's Got Talent, their substory alone would get them through the next round. Like they don't need any talent whatsoever. They'd probably make at least one judge cry. I'm not even kidding. So yeah, I think to myself, well, they've not all killed themselves. They're still soldiering on, dreaming away. Well, I guess many of them are nightmaring away, but yeah, if they can do it, then it's selfish of me to undermine my own abilities to do it too. My hope is that this pod, podcast, gives you hope. That it gives you the tools to consciously listen to your own subconscious. Imagine that before you sleep, you're going to put on a face mask. A super intense blackhead one that really gets all the gunk and dirt and gross pussy bacteria things out of your face. When you wake up, you peel the mask off and lo and behold, rejoice. All that gunky blackhead pus is now stuck to the mask and you can see it. All those little dots that were always on your face, part of you, your body, but you just couldn't extract them. Now you have. You have extracted them. It's a pretty visceral image, huh? So that, that was all a metaphor. You'll hear a lot of them on this pod. The body, you imagine going to sleep them waking up? That's you, that's your body. The mask, well, you're listening to it. This pod is the mask. I am so excited to exfoliate together. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for honoring and respecting yourself and pressing play on this first ep. Thank you for giving yourself the opportunity to learn with me. You'll hear some incredible people grapple with their own inner demons. And my God, do some people have a lot of them yeah so are we feeling ready god i am i mean i feel right now in this very moment as ready as the readiest person in a world full of ready people so without further ado let's friggin' go
4: i mean this is meant i think as a parody clearly but that someone else relates to this type of approach this type of talking like that's great and I don't want to be dismissive of that but clearly aspects of this are exaggerated for comedic effect
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like the instagram of podcasts right it's that kind of i'm navel gazing but i but it's all about you really but it's really all about me but it's all about you
4: yeah exactly exactly that and it's also the like saying a lot of words but not really saying anything and i, I think it's there's something in that piece as well but that's maybe a a bit of like an insincere rapport or feeling for the people listening that there is a separation kind of thing that where there isn't an empathy from maybe this isn't the case in 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 the majority of these but in this piece I perceive there to be a distance between the host and their clients and also the listener
2: so we're going to carry on with the podcast trope what's this next one and, and why did you choose this
4: so this similar similar idea, this is The Onion. I first noted it in San Francisco years ago, 15 years ago. Maybe it used to be a physical paper that was kind of a parody of the news. And you see it online a lot of the time. It's just a kind of satirical um, news outlet but they've made a podcast. I think there was a point maybe around 2018 when I started to feel because I was working in audio production that I should feel more invested in podcasts and should like podcasts more than I feel like I probably did. So I tried to seek out, okay, well, what podcast that would really appeal to me? And I thought, what do I like? Oh, I like The Onion. And somehow I found that The Onion had put out this podcast. So The Onion's take on a podcast is a parody, effectively, of... Well, I think it'd be interesting if we play it and then listeners can maybe think whether they can recognize what this is potentially parodying and the derivatives that came from this particular show.
3: What makes a murder perfect? What elevates a murder from a regular ho-hum killing to a crime so gruesome and compelling that it deserves its own podcast? Does a murder like that even exist? Is it somewhere out there? waiting to be found the next time I open a letter from a convict, or the next time I rest myself out of bed at 2 a.m. to check the Google Alert I set for the word decapitated? Or is it just a fantasy, a wild goose chase that will end in nothing but run-of-the-mill kidnappings, dull acts of sexual bondage, or the same old mass murder suicides that say nothing about the fabric of America in the 21st century? Is it all just a beautiful dream? I'm David Pascal, and I've been asking myself these questions for years. For the first time, I finally have some answers. Hey, Ethel.
6: Hello, David. What would you like me to do today? A. Go online. B. Access my homicide locator function. C. Send email. D. Play music. B. Okay, David. Retrieving homicides.
3: This is Ethel. That stands for Extremely Timely Homicide Locator, by the way. Ethel's a supercomputer. Onion Public Radio hired a team of engineers at MIT to build her in order to help us find the most interesting, violent, culturally relevant murder cases in America. We've programmed Ethel so that not only can she comb through thousands of murders in a matter of minutes...
6: Double homicide. Murder suicide. Suffocation. Satanic ritual. Poison. But she can also
3: update her own code based on what would make the most incisive, critically acclaimed OPR podcast. She's always learning.
6: David, I have some murders that involve the resentment of the white working class. Would you like me to print to North Printer?
3: Yes. I've been working with Ethel for three years, trying to find the perfect case. We never stop pushing.
6: Homicide 30971B, Joshua Diamond. Kidnapped by stepfather in 1987. Severed head found in laundry machine.
3: Hmm. Ethel, can you set a filter for female victims only? (laughs) Ethel's settings can be adjusted to search for any number of factors. For example, we thought we had found our podcast when Ethel located the case of a girl who was raped and killed on the night of her 16th birthday. But we thought the situation didn't say enough about the decline of the middle class, so we changed the algorithm.
6: Update complete. Please restart computer.
3: Then, about a year ago, we thought we had it. It was a case that involved a whole group of coal miners, who were probably illiterate, but in a way that's charming and perfect, who went missing during a strike. The ideal case. We even started doing some preliminary interviews.
5: No telling us nothing. Nope. They act like they just
1: gone fishing or something, but we know. We know. They killed him. They ain't fishing. I miss my daddy. I miss
3: my daddy. But then our sponsor, Hillamunk Cheese, pulled out because they were dealing with a labor dispute of their own. After years of work, we were back to square one. But we didn't give up. Instead, we got better. We kept tweaking Ethel, hoping that the perfect murder was out there somewhere.
6: Retrieving homicides.
3: Then, finally after years of searching for the perfect murder. A murder that's engrossing and mysterious. A murder that perfectly reflects our nation's current economic and social conditions. A murder that comments on the past and future of intersectional feminism. A murder in which a really hot white girl dies.
6: Homicide 9924R, Haley Price.
3: We found Haley Price. Haley Price was a typical 17-year-old with big dreams and clear skin when she was killed. She was a high achiever, a debate champion a prom queen, a doting girlfriend. But Haley also excelled at being murdered. One chilly Thursday morning in May, Haley was found on the floor of the local bottle cap factory that her father worked at. What's more, she was dead. Haley's case fulfilled every one of the requirements we had plugged into Ethel. It was gruesome, it was unsolved. It commented on the ugly underbelly of the American dream, the decline of manufacturing, modern beauty standards, the gig economy, factory farming, deforestation, saturated fats, the fragility of love, the golden era of television, and CO2 emissions. And most importantly, no one had done a podcast about it yet.
6: 100% match. Retrieving. Coroner's report.
3: The coroner's report the Bluff Springs Police Department provided states that Haley Price was shot three times in the head. She had multiple stab wounds. She was strangled and smothered with a pillow. She was soaking wet and had clearly been drowned. She had dirt of the same composition found on Mars under her fingernails. She had been dead for seven hours when her body was found, but her fingernails had been painted 15 minutes ago. She was wearing the class ring of a boy who wasn't her boyfriend, Brian, even though he's a great guy and deserves way better. She had scratches on her arms and a bite mark on her leg. She was wearing a shirt that according to her best friend, Alex, was super ugly and not her style at all. Her hair had been cut into a Beatles mop top. So what happened to Haley Price? And how can I get in on it?
4: I liked where I cut it there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then it actually goes into the title music, which is equally hilarious. I mean, it's two seasons. I only listened to the first and realised when I was finding an episode for this show that there was a second season, but it's such a sharp parody, really, of Serial and what I thought actually when I was listening to that S-Town as well, because I think in S-Town they go to the rural parts. Um, I think Serial is all in Virginia, if I can remember.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I was listening to it. It's just so well written. You're drawn in, but you know that it's absolute nonsense. But at the same time, you're like, you know, they've got all the ingredients that draw you in with the the sound design and the music and all of it. And you're just like, all right, I'm in. But this is ridiculous. Why? (laughs) I shouldn't be.
4: And they do it better (laughs) than a lot of the derivatives. I mean, Cereal and S-Town, Cereal in particular, they do it really well because they're the first aid set the bar really high obviously they had a giant budget but it's interesting that was 2018 i heard that since then i've seen but there's been a lot of other derivatives of, 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 of true crime
2: as a category the number of true crime podcasts that are out there is just unbelievable and i guess the thing that struck me and it's funny but not is you know they're always looking for the the ideal victim and the fact that she's a kind of hot teenage girl is uh, is perfect that's the ideal crime victim that you want you know it's almost Twin Peaksy as well
4: yeah um, I thought Twin Peaks when I was listening to this as well I mean I love Twin Peaks so I hadn't clocked that but yeah it's a bit Laura Palmer isn't it
2: yeah <laughs> yeah so for, on xmtr.fm I'm always trying to find interesting radio archives and what I realized is that there's nothing new about true crime. That was the majority of radio drama and red radio stories in the 40s and 50s were also true crime. People were absolutely obsessed with it. So that hasn't gone away. It's just come back in another form.
4: Just yeah. thinking about what the onion did there as well, I was just reflecting back to on the hour, which is the precursor to the day to day that was on radio and and it's kind of uh, satirizing the news in a similar way to how the onion do with the true crime podcast so yeah that could have probably made it as well into this as well but that would be going quite far back
2: okay so let's move into something else that interests you i guess it's conversation voice connection
4: basically when i was assembling this show i was thinking about pieces that provide me joy what makes me laugh like what makes me think and and unthinking and, and for me like is is a joy you know, that type of thinking like listening to work that makes you consider something differently or just like is is heartening when kind of sorting the running order i came up with a title for this little section which would be connection and um this is a clip from a show a podcast called everything is alive which is a radiotopia podcast i think it's a really unique Idea that the treatment is effectively an interviewer interviewing inanimate objects It sounds like it would be surreal and it is surreal But there's this really lovely like philosophical layer to it It has like a lot of attributes or characteristics the podcast I like It's warm, it's engaging, it's humorous, it's surreal, it's thought-provoking It's humbling as well, you know, you can be humbled by a grain of sand And this episode is an interview of a grain of sand And it gets to a point in every episode where it transitions out of that interview into a kind of semi-related section where the interviewer, Ian Chilling, will speak to someone else, but it's tangentially related to the main interview subject, which is Sand. In this episode, transitions to Ian talking to a train announcer who is connected to the Inspector Sand's announcement, which effectively alerts staff that there's a fire.
7: Hello, uh, I'm calling for Eleanor.
8: Hi there. Yes, it's Ellen speaking.
7: Hi. So, so I understand you are the voice of some of the underground trains in the UK. Is is that right?
8: That's right. Yeah, some of the uh, mainly Northern, Piccadilly, and Jubilee lines in the uh, on the London Underground, but on several other stations and lines as well now.
7: So, like, what's an example of something I might hear your voice saying?
8: So, um, at say Farringdon Station, you might hear me saying something like. The next train to Heathrow Terminals One, Two, and Three will depart in three minutes. Something like that.
7: So, are you you're familiar with uh, the Inspector Sands
8: announcement? I, I, I've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> I've heard about it. Luckily, I haven't actually heard it going out. But um, I remember my mum ringing me from a, a platform once, saying, <gasps> i just heard Inspector Sands. Should I get out?" And I said, "Well, yeah, just you know, just in case, just get out." But actually, nothing serious had happened. Um, I think you know it may even have been that there might have been a very small fire controlled and contained you know in you know in the kitchen or it, it could have been anything
7: Have you ever recorded an inspector sands announcement
8: no i haven 't no um what we what we found when we were recording the tube announcements, and this is well i'd just given birth to our twins. The week before we got the contract, so they're thirteen and a half now. So it's quite a long time ago that I recorded yeah. them, but we found I was the, the nice, friendly voice that told you which trains to catch. But anything that was kind of right, you need to listen, and you need to behave. <laughs> was was Phil? So anything that that really needed to be listened to, apparently you needed a man to do that.
7: <laughs> so, so Phil, you, your husband Phil did uh, did the Inspector Sands because yeah. It looked like they wanted the male authoritative voice.
9: Mm-hmm.
7: What did he? Do you remember talking to him about about doing the Inspector Sands or talking about Inspector Sands?
9: Yeah,
8: I mean, I think that he would. He quite liked the fact that he was in on a secret. But of course, for something like that, when when it's an announcement that you know could herald bad things, you don't actually want it to be delivered ever. You know, we, yeah. we would both be very happy if it was never heard.
7: So, can I ask when you're recording these? You know various train announcements,
8: what what kind of
7: direction do you get? What do they tell you they want from your voice?
8: Well, um, you need to be as, as clear and as neutral as possible. Um, they deliberately chose my voice and Phil's voice because we're, we're just very clear, very neutral, and uh, very easy to understand. And the other thing is that the way that we've done it is we've always used the same studio, the same microphone, obviously the same voices, and... For consistency reasons, we kind of signed a contract to say that we would be available for 10 years, you know, unless obviously anything happened. And, and actually, God bless him, Phil died about, you know, three weeks after that 10 years has expired. Um, so he sort of did his time. But fortunately, we've got enough of his voice on record that it's never been an issue. I,
7: I was sorry to hear that. Um, Thank you. He um... you
8: know, was, was a good guy. <laughs> You know, very, very lovely guy. And I, and I feel very um, privileged as a widow to have his voice. It's, it's, I don't take that lightly because I know a lot of people who would give anything to hear their husband's voice again. And mine won't shut up. he <laughs> you know, never did. And I'm, and I'm hoping you never will. So can, can
7: I ask, and I, if this is too personal, just let me know. But, no, okay. Um, does it happen that you'll be standing on a platform somewhere just going Mm -hmm. wherever you're going and you'll hear his voice
8: oh yeah yeah um i frequently travel to london for meetings and work and recordings and what have you and yeah I, i hear him a lot and it's always lovely to hear him and and i actually i quite like the fact that obviously nobody else would know that this is so special for me and i just love the fact that he's still there just getting on with life you know directing people to where they need to go and just being part of the furniture of london but but actually hearing that he's been taken off certain platforms on it i know he used to be the main voice at waterloo until about a year and a bit ago um and when somebody told me that he'd gone from waterloo i grieved again as if i'd lost him you know it, it affected me that much yeah. knowing that his voice was being sort of slowly taken away
7: is there a, a a recording that you particularly like hearing of his?
8: Um, well, I suppose "Mind the Gap" is the is the iconic one. That's the one that everybody knows and everybody recognises. So, I I love the fact that he is that voice. But I I ran the London Marathon in April because it was just something that I I kind of wanted to do. I wanted to raise money for a cancer charity, because, you know, in Phil's memory. And I just felt it was a a lovely omen, because I was staying in a hotel the night before and hadn't heard Phil at all um, and, and got to my hotel. I think it was Hyde Park, and the doors opened. Mind the gap, please. And I thought, yep, he's there. He's watching out for me. This is going to go well. And again, when I'd finished, all I could hear was, myself you know <laughs> telling myself which train to captain you no know, uh, so that was really nice actually um there are certain times when i just say yeah I, I, he's looking after me which of course is probably nonsense but it's lovely to think
7: yeah <laughs> well this is this has been such a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for taking the time
8: thank you for, for asking me it's been lovely to speak to you
4: so I could have easily shared a section of the actual main podcast, but I just think this section is so sweet and tender and heartfelt. And yeah, it makes me smile. I can empathize with the interviewee. So the podcast itself, I think, is brilliant in the sense that they've taken this idea and they've realized it really effectively. It doesn't cost a huge amount of money. It doesn't involve this really expansive sound design. It's just this great idea realized really well. But then like, to provide that relief from it, having this like more kind of human more grounded aspect weaved so nicely and cohesively in works really well and in terms of this episode I just wanted to showcase that more human aspect because I really appreciate the nature of the conversation.
2: What I was thinking as I was listening was that the interview style whether the interviewer is interviewing an actor who's playing a grain of sand or somebody real talking about their late husband his style is exactly the same and i think that's what makes the podcast work so well is that when he's interviewing these actors who are playing these inanimate objects he really is interviewing them as though they are these objects and the interview feels real
4: yeah i definitely i agree and it's the layers of it i think and the surreal content and the it's a hard thing to do I think to do really well to blend all of these elements and it's just done really well.
2: Yeah and it shows as you said that you don't need massive budgets and resources to do something good and clever yeah i remember
4: ed this is maybe a bit of an aside but he was just talking about like how just basically you just need like a really good idea and then you can you can create so much from that and his example was desert island discs like it's a really yeah. ba- basic idea right but people love that show and it's really effective and it it doesn't get old because you've always got new people yeah
2: and there's something about music and memory that is always going to work you link those two things and that's always gonna um, help people talk about themselves in a, in a more subtle way I guess yeah so so what's this next one
4: this next one so this is a piece that I made this is like a kind of a memento for myself of a moment I find that there's not a ton of people in the world that make me laugh in a really like genuine way right? kind of really like from the gut but I have a friend called Larissa who can and she was giving me a lift from Manhattan to the airport and just the way she started talking to the the sat nav the gps really made me laugh and i wanted to capture that so i think i had the ability to record on my watch so i started recording that yeah just recording the conversation i recorded probably about an hour and just wanted to keep that but i knew i wanted to like make that into something that i could listen back to and i wanted to to remind me because from my perspective it's nice to look back at photos i've always been like a recording little interactions and just making kind of field recordings of happenings because I love listening back to them and it takes me back and you know it aids that visual memory that, that I have of the times as well yeah so for this I cut up that recording and kind of paired it with a piece of music that I had made at some point and found and thought fit It's one of those things where you might ask, well, why why do other people need to hear this? And they don't need to hear it. It's really just for me. But it fits into this show because it really does provide me a lot of joy to listen to to this and to hear her and the things she says make me laugh and thinking about our relationship and the rapport we have and that appreciation and care of each other.
2: Sometimes just those recordings of conversations that, you know, there's no reason for them, but they're just give a little insight into a world and there's something really lovely about that. So this is driving to the airport with Larissa recorded by you.
10: We'll be there at 3.06, did you see that? Okay, so tunnel entrance, what am I doing? Turning right in 900 feet. What is 900 feet, honestly? And people really need to move today. And see, this is why I don't like Manhattan. They have a mind of their own, these people. And I'm slow, so. Alright, alright. Not here. It's true. Okay, I feel good now. We're gonna get to Queen's Midtown Tunnel.
4: That's one of my favorite tunnels as well. <laughs> Just <a little> joke. <laughs> Turn yeah.
5: right.
2: Got it. Will In 7.1 do. 7.1 miles, take exit 22AE to I-678 and Grand Central
6: Parkway.
10: That's a lot. That's a lot, Now we get on our tunnel. Hold your breath! No, it's a long one. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> you die. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> I also don't like tunnels like this. This gives me anxiety. Like, what if we're trapped? So, basically, when I drive at night, I also feel like I'm, I'm in Mario Kart, because in New York, and Brooklyn especially, people just stop. They just stop their car in the middle while you're driving, and, and then they're just like, hazards, and then I have to swerve, but then I have to have the confidence to move quickly because traffic's coming through, and I just, I just don't know. also gives me anxiety because now I'm trapped in a tunnel. I feel as though as I gotten older, I've gotten more anxiety. I've become scared more than usual.
9: I was like, what about the what Jewish
10: about the Institute Queens? I was like, wonder what he's going to say about them. made me laugh. It made me know. laugh too, because I was like, why is it an institute?
9: <laughs> at
10: home. Do you like being at home? I feel like I'd like that store. At home. <laughs> Where are you? At home. Oh, what are you doing at home? I'm buying something. At home? <laughs> it's so stupid. Little things.
4: Yeah.
6: left toward Long Island. Then keep right to merge onto I-678 toward Kennedy Airport.
4: 2B, right, 22B? 22B? Yeah, here. Yeah. I said so, 22.
6: Wait, I don't know.
10: I think I went the wrong way. So stupid, my body, my choice. And then you know what's funny is that they go to the hospital because they didn't get vaccinated and they said, give me the vaccine. And then everyone's like, it's too late, sir, ma'am. Like you gotta you can't just assume that once you get the vaccination and you have it, you're gonna be okay. The whole thing is for the vaccine to prevent you from getting what you have. Which you have now. So
5: it's not very good right. Right toward terminal. Oh. Use the left lane to keep
10: laps, babe. Anyway. Yeah, Use like the left lane Okay, we're left. done. Turn or off.
4: Left lane. At Keep the next light, turn right. Oh, sweet. No, you didn't.
10: Are oh, you meant to be there. I was supposed to go there.
4: Oopsies. you have to get off here. I'm sorry. I apologize. I f***ed no, up. I'm sorry. You, did, you didn't. You a did massive success. We're here and we're safe. Okay, we're we just get like, out of the car now. We're just on the airport <laughs> parking shuttle. Okay. Oh, I'm getting all no sad. No, no. I need for sadness. It's oh, not an ending, it's, it's just a, Brian... so, so see for it a, a bit. It was to see you for a bit, but I was
10: yeah. so happy I got to see you. I'm glad I
4: texted you. Okay. If I were to do that for actual broadcast or for some purpose other than creating a memory for myself I'd probably edit it a bit more and switch it up the music and make it a bit more dynamic but I think as is like it just bobs along and
2: exactly you feel like you're in the car with you and I think the music it's flowing so I I think it actually works really well as it is so coming out of that I also think this is a great opportunity to find out bit more about you as an audio producer why did you start getting into making audio and and audio as a medium and getting into radio
4: i think i'm someone that's been interested in making things for the majority of my life like since i was a kid i would draw a lot like i drew all the time and made things and then i found music and started writing songs and i was really really young and then I went to university for sound arts and design and started producing kind of like multimedia sonic arts that incorporated um, technology and coming out of that I moved to the States and was thinking for kind of tangential, like creative work that I could do and found the Kitchen Sisters who are producers for NPR that make kind of like sonically rich documentary and started working with them and yeah, you know, i could cut a story and and weave music in already so i had like a a decent ability and feeling for that but yeah through them learned a lot about listening they're great interviewers so i learned a lot about listening how to use music how to not overuse music like i i'd learned thought kind of critically in university about like why you're doing certain things and making conscious decisions and i think through working with the kitchen sisters i developed that side of making being quite critical but also using like your instincts as well and how important timing was and i think i've always had or i've been told i have a, a decent like timing because and i think it comes from being a musician and i think the kitchen sisters experience is interesting as well because there's a lot of editing that goes into their stories but fundamentally the purpose is to tell this person's story in the way that they would want to be represented in a way and sometimes the way we naturally speak isn't how we would want to represent ourselves or kind of get across the point that we want to but at the same time i think sometimes pairing that back and leaving a bit of space it depends i guess on what you're producing for if you're producing a piece for morning edition and you've got this really tight six minutes to do it you need to be kind of concise so that's kind of how I found radio production. But I was interested in radio before that. Yeah, and then coming back from, from the US or after working with the Kitchen Sisters for a number of years, I found other opportunities in making audio works for you know, a variety of forms and working with others as well. But I think recently I've been thinking a lot about, okay, well, what is it that I really enjoy doing? And a lot of that is working with people and helping to facilitate the realisation of their ideas. But also a lot of the creative ideas that I have are not kind of straight production ideas. They're more multimedia or they require different skills that I don't necessarily have. So at the moment, I'm feeling really in a place of wanting to learn more and learn new skills to realise ideas and think outside of what I can do that it already exists. And have a bit more trust in my own ideas, even if they're a bit different from where the industry is going or is at the moment.
2: Yes, there is a boom in podcasts, but we are hearing a lot of the same things. And I'm always interested in hearing how people are trying to do something in in a different way and trying to manipulate sound in, in a new way. But also, as you said, with the Kitchen Sisters, helping people to tell their stories in the way they they would want to tell it
4: maybe the reason i brought that up is i really remember one time someone saying to davia who's one of the kitchen sisters oh i could never be in one of your stories because i can't speak so eloquently and davia mentioned like this and no one does no one speaks like necessarily how the the shows end up because there's a lot of editing that goes into these pieces But there's still, but I mean, I think important in the Kitchen Sisters work is that there's editing that goes into that, but it's for the purpose of telling that person's story and genuine and sincere and is respectful and um, true to what they were looking to express. Oh, look, did express. (laughs) What's this next one? This is a section of a podcast that I made with a group of young-ish people at a organisation in Brixton called Raw Material. And there's a project called Raw Sounds, which is young people with experience of mental ill health. And I was running a six-week podcast workshop the idea was from my perspective introduce the participants to various aspects that could make up a podcast and i think i really pulled from different aspects of my experience so sound art and interviewing and creating the music and editing so i tried to like really like fit a lot into this six weeks so the whole of the the podcast including lots of the editing and the music production the score of this piece for instance was contributed by one of the participants so yeah this is one section from that podcast so we have the workshop and then I figured like there wasn't an ask to have a podcast at the end of it but I feel like there's a motivator in when there's some kind of final piece that comes out of that that maybe can be can be aired. So that was the idea that we'll record these things and then we'll piece it together and we'll have a podcast at the end that can be like a memento for that time and also broadcast. So this is one section. And the idea here was I have a friend in California who also works with a group of young people with similar needs. And I thought it'd be cool if we had a kind of back and forth cultural exchange where the people in my group kind of asked questions and people in my friend's group would respond to them and then ask a question back and have a bit of a discourse. Yeah, I think I wanted to share this because for me, it's like really charming. It worked, I think, really well, as random as some of the questions and answers are. And I know that participants in both groups really enjoyed it and that they enjoyed it It is enjoyable for me. And so is listening back to it.
9: Uh, My name is Travis. My question is, does everybody surf in California? California is like a surfing place.
2: Hi Travis, my name is Alex I think not everybody surfs in California People do surf, I body surf My question
9: is, do any of you sing and dance? So I love to sing I like to dance Um, I've been noted for singing very well since the age of three so I got noticed in nursery I enjoy dancing, I've been learning to dance since I left sixth form Yeah, I enjoy it, it's fun I write my own songs
5: Hey
4: Americanos, how's it going? My name is John, and I want to ask you what's the best thing about where you're from and what would you change about where you're from?
3: Hi, John. My name is Anthony Toledano. I'm a volunteer for Recology Snowmere Marin And thank you for your question. And my best thing is going zero waste. Do you guys do composting over in London? Thanks. From Anthony.
9: Hello, Anthony. My name's Harney. We have compost here. Everyone has, like a bin of their own that you put food waste in. Yeah, uh, my name is Arthur, and my question is, who are some of your favourite music artists?
4: Hi, Arthur, my name is Angel
9: Flores, and my, my favourite artists are Marshmallow and Bruno Mars. And my question is, what are some of your favourite t- movies or
4: TV shows in from England?
9: Angel, uh,
4: I like um, Skins. That's a cool show. And uh, in terms of movies, I can't really think of any right now, but there's a lot of good ones. Skins is cool because it's just, like, very relatable if you've, like, grown up in England.
8: Hi, I'm Millie, and I would like to know if you listen to any British podcasts, and if so, which ones do you like?
2: Hi, Millie, my name is Jonathan, and I don't listen to any British podcasting. But the question I'm going to ask you is, do you listen to any
3: British uh, podcasts? my podcast will be all about sports, cartoons, etc. And my podcast's name will be
2: The giant Rok- the the Rokio Hour. You can catch me anytime, not 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. on my podcast. And have a nice day in British, or should I say,
3: Kyrio. <laughs>
5: Hi, I'm Jamil, Um, I listen to a lot of radio podcasts, so I listen to all the different snippets and shortcuts of the radio, so all the best bits of the radio programme, so uh, if if you don't know, know Scott Mills and Greg James, uh, and also I listen to uh, sports podcasts as well, like Peter Crouch, he's a footballer, he's got a podcast called That Peter Crouch Podcast, and I listen to Tail Enders, which is a cricket podcast as well, which uh, features Jimmy Anderson, who's a cricketer.
9: My name is Harney. I wanted to know if anyone knows why Americans call bums fannies.
3: Hi, honey. My name's Ralphie. Why do Americans call bums fannies? I don't know why. Do you know if there are any car companies from England? I don't really know about
9: any of the car companies here. I'm not a fanatic about car companies. I wouldn't know. I
5: guess probably Mini Cooper got a factory or something like that, I think, because it's got British cars, I think. Okay, hi, my name is Mitty, and I actually wanted to ask
4: if there was like any artists that maybe are less globally known that we should listen to that are coming out of the US or maybe where you're from.
9: Hi Mitty. my name is Ricky and there are some good artists in the Bay Area like E40, Shrine Mafia and the internet. The Bay Area is really big in Oakland. It's pretty bad traffic at rush hour. Mitty, have you ever seen 21 Savage in London? What do you think about the protests in London? And do you guys know what the environment protest was all about? 21 Savage is actually from the estate behind my house, according to my mate. It's called Blenheim Gardens. Um, On the other hand, in terms of climate change protests and stuff like that, obviously I think it's a good cause, but I'm not really down to protests. I think there's other more important things going on.
2: I just really love the questions. They're so random.
4: (laughs) We say they're random, though. What would not be random? What would someone ask that isn't random?
2: I guess so, but it's just this idea that the life would be so different.
4: I just love hearing about the special interests as well. Like, so one person clearly is really big into compost, I think. Yeah, the passion, I think, that people have for things, even if it's not something that I'm interested in, when someone's super passionate about something, I don't know you I find that um, charming.
2: I, I don't know about you, but I always learn so much when I teach workshops especially with young people that people of all ages to be honest but sounds like a cliche but it's true like I always come out with something new or a new idea to sort of take forward into what I'm doing
4: yeah this was the first workshop I ever done as well it was really daunting but it was a good experience I think yeah I learned a lot and learning on the job so to speak very much and like it was a challenge but the kind of challenge that I want where you really feel like you're growing and developing and you see other people developing and there's like a, a real sense that what you're doing is <laughs> of some benefit to others.
2: Sam thanks so much for your selection there was a lot of actually nearly everything in there that I hadn't heard so lots of new discoveries for me which is always the point and um, I you know I'm always looking for different ways that audio is used to tell different stories and how we can record people's conversations so thank you for your selection
4: thank you for having me and it's genuinely like a real pleasure to talk to you and discuss things with you because I think you really think about these things and uh, these things sound so vague you're (laughs) critical in a really like interesting way and and your ideas and that you listen and and really like uh, not dissect but yeah, it's thought-provoking and, and enjoyable talking with you. So thank you.
2: That's it from me. And thank you to Samuel Robinson for agreeing to spend time in this audio bubble. If you'd like to find out more and hear his work, go to Kalu, that's kalo ucouk You've been listening to the Transmitter Radio Hour from Social Broadcasts. If you want to hear more audio works by other people, past and present, subscribe to xmtr.fm, the curated platform dedicated to sonic storytelling, featuring works by radio makers, podcasters and sound artists from all over. I'll be back with more audio, radio and podcast discoveries in March. In the meantime, happy listening.